Coming up on Stu Does America, you might think you know Kamala Harris. Oh, but it's so much worse than you thought. We'll get into that. Plus, Brian Riedel joins us to tell us why Kamala is just as financially defective as the rest of her socialist buddies. And Jason Buttrell stops in to preview Glenn Beck's newest special, airing tonight, Brave New World, the left's march toward global fascism. Sounds like a party. You can get all the episodes of this show for free. Just go to YouTube and search for Stu. I'll be the first one there. And please subscribe and click the bell to get alerts when we post something new. And the evil algorithm robots get defeated when you click like on this video. Do it now before you forget or I say something that pisses you off. And if you want to join uh, and listen to the podcast group, do that. Subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen. Uh, Just take a sec to rate and review if you would. Five stars is the appropriate number of stars. It's great. Whatever. Just do it. And if you believe, as I do, that Andrew Cuomo is awful and Chris Cuomo might be worse, then you need your Andrew Cuomo is awful and Chris Cuomo is worse mugs, T-shirts and masks. Get them along with lots of other great stuff at StuDoesMerch.com. So tonight, an in-depth look at the nation's very first black woman, Asian, Indian, Oaklandian, daughter of a breast cancer scientist, daughter of an economics professor, sister of someone named Maya, and although having lived briefly in Montreal, now identifying simply as American vice presidential nominee Kamala Harris. There's more on our Wikipedia page, but we're honestly short on time. Let's do five things to know about Kamala. Stu does America. Kamala Harris is the VP pick for Joe Biden, and everyone is thrilled. The media practically tripped over themselves to be the first to get their fawning worship columns published. Let's take a look. Al Jazeera writes Biden's choice of Kamala Harris as VP candidate unprecedented. Harris brings youth, race, gender, and prosecutorial skill to the Democratic ticket versus Donald Trump. Were there other peak candidates not bringing a gender? I don't understand that. Uh, NBC News says Kamala Harris is a pragmatic progressive. CNN gushed about how her Indian relatives helped shape her views on civil rights and civic duty. You may have noticed a minor nuanced difference between the Harris announcement and the announcement of Mike Pence in 2016. Vox called him an extra awful choice. (laughs) Vice wrote a piece entitled Mike Pence, Trump's VP pick is pretty damn homophobic, while the URL only says everything you need to know about Mike Pence's homophobia. They complained about his status as an apparent culture warrior. Little did we know that the entire left would unite to tear down statues and pull photos off of pancake and rice packaging. But they're not culture warriors at all. So as we near the start of the Democratic convention next week, we have five things you need to know about Kamala Harris. Before we begin, one last look at how this was presented to America by the New York Times. Breaking news, Senator Kamala Harris of California is Joe Biden's pick for vice president, a pragmatic moderate. She is the first black woman on a major party ticket. The number one thing to know about Kamala, she's not a moderate. There's some confusion on this. Some people seem to actually believe she is a moderate. Why? Well, you could argue that she's a moderate if she's a resident of the Soviet Union. She's right in the middle of the pack of Soviet citizens. Basically, what this means is she's a moderate compared to like AOC or Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. That doesn't mean she's an actual moderate or even a moderate in the Democratic Party. 
She's far to the left of even the Democrats. Harris has a conservative review score of 20 percent and a lifetime freedom work score of 18 percent, which puts her in the center left of the Democrats or the far, far left of America. The DW nominate score is even less charitable. Each one of these dots represents a senator who can find Kamala. She's in there somewhere. There she is. She's almost all the way to the left of the chart. What does this mean? Well, according to DW Nominate, she is more liberal than, quote, 99% of the Senate and 97% of the Democrats in the Senate. On their chart, she is only to the right of Elizabeth Warren, and she lands in between Warren and Sanders. That's hard to do if you're not Karl Marx. The number two thing you need to know about Kamala, she's not pragmatic. Remember the New York Times sell of Kamala, a pragmatic moderate. Yeah, well, she's not pragmatic either. The Kamala Harris brand of pragmatism is just her ability to keep a straight face while constantly changing positions. What the Times sees as pragmatism is really Harris just saying whatever she has to to grab more power. This is best illustrated by her stance on Medicare for all. She first said she would support it. Then she signed on to the Bernie plan that would make private insurance illegal. Then the very next day, she took that back. Then she said she was going to a transitional plan before the final switch to an all-government system. Then she was back again to allowing private insurance. It didn't make any sense, which led to a headline from New York Magazine, yes, New York Magazine, entitled, Kamala Harris's Medicare for All plan makes no sense. After discussing the, quote, fundamental incoherence of her ideas, New York wrote, quote, if you took Harris at her word, her legislative plan for 2021 would be to first pass a law massively cutting middle class taxes and then pass a second law radically increasing them. Makes perfect sense. The third thing you need to know about Kamala, she's not on the ticket to help with the black vote. This is a fundamental misunderstanding of the pick. It's true that a lot of activists were demanding Biden pick a black woman to be his VP. And it's possible he basically caved to that pressure as part of this pick. But that's different than thinking Kamala will help with the black vote. Here's the thing. Joe Biden doesn't need any help with black voters. He was Barack Obama's vice president. And the only reason he's the nominee this time is because he was rescued by black voters in South Carolina. This is the exact opposite of Kamala Harris. In a November 2019 poll, when she was still in the race, she was a black candidate in a majority black primary, and she was at 4% among black voters. 4%. You know what she had among white voters? 4%. This is obviously way behind Biden with black voters, who was at 44%. But it was also behind Bernie Sanders at 8%, Elizabeth Warren at 10%, and freaking Tom Steyer at 10%. The whitest white guy in the universe had two and a half times the support of black voters than Kamala Harris. The only conclusion, black voters don't really like Kamala Harris all that much. The fourth thing you need to know about Kamala Harris, she's in it for the money. I don't mean she's in it to personally enrich herself, although that's blatantly true as well. I mean, the main reason Biden selected her is because she can bring in the cash. At one point in the campaign, she had twice the amount 
of Clinton-Obama bigwig donors as anyone else in the race. She has a big bank of cash in California, and unlike Elizabeth Warren, she can raise big money from big tech because she's not threatening to break them up all the time. Biden, on the other hand, is notoriously horrible at raising money. Maybe that's because people don't want to donate to a guy who is drooling on their checkbooks. But Kamala isn't like Warren or Sanders, always complaining about millionaires and billionaires. Kamala will take a meeting and grab a check from any shady progressive rich dude that walks in. And in a pandemic-based campaign where Uncle Creepy Joe hair sniffing, you know, his approach to campaigning, it's just not going to be, it's not going to work. It's going to be severely limited. How many children can you walk up to and sniff their hair during a pandemic? I'm so sorry, Joe. Somebody needs to get the cash to run the commercials they've filled with lies. Kamala Harris is just the person to do it. And the fifth thing you need to know about Kamala is she must make sure that no one ever says this in her defense. Is this a tough pick to deal with if you're President Trump or Vice President Pence? (laughs) Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I can't. Let me tell you, you could not find a better 180 degrees off Mike Pence than Kamala Harris. Joe Biden and the Democratic Party have been overtaken by the radical left. So given their promises of higher taxes, open borders, socialized medicine and abortion on demand, it's it's no surprise that he chose Senator Harris to be his running mate. Mike Pence, old school, you know, I don't want to be in a room with a woman who is not my you know, mother or my wife. You know, Kamala Harris represents everything that Mike Pence isn't. Uh, Yeah, about that. You see, you can't make fun of Mike Pence as old school and I don't want to be in a room with a woman who's not my mother or my wife when you're making the argument for a woman who actually had an affair with her superior while on the job. Like your candidate literally slept her way to the top. If Willie Brown had the Mike Pence rule, we'd be talking about Susan Rice or Elizabeth Warren right now. It really is strange in this moment for the Democrats to pick a candidate that unquestionably benefited in her career from an extramarital workplace affair with a powerful man more than twice her age. Potential hashtag. Me too. Part two. Sometimes it works out great, you know. To be fair, the affair happened about a decade after Willie Brown was named one of 1984's 10 Sexiest Men in America by Playgirl magazine. So, I mean, how can you possibly avoid something that sexy? So make sure to learn that lesson, little girls. Never stand for sexual advances from your boss at work, unless you can make it work for you. Then we'll see you in the White House. Yay, feminism! Hey, wake up, America. You know, your country's going down the tubes. Time to wake up. Maybe you need some coffee. Maybe you need something a little more potent than your normal blend. How about Black Rifle Coffee Company? They're veteran-owned and operated, a premium, small-batch, roast-to-order coffee company, and they import only the highest quality beans from around the world and always roast the freshest coffee available. One of the great things about uh, Black Rifle Coffee Company is they've got uh, whole bean, They've got the ground varieties. They've got a bunch of the, uh, the single-serve coffee round things that you put in the machine. they got all of it. And you can get it through the Black Rifle Coffee Club. Just choose the amount and the blends that, uh, that you want. 
They'll get it over to you. Special discounted price, plus free shipping directly to your home or office every month. You never run out because it always shows up. Wake up to America's Coffee by going to blackriflecoffee.com slash stew. Make sure to use the slash stew part because that's how they know you like this stupid show. That's blackriflecoffee.com slash stew. Enter the discount code stew. You'll save 20% off. You want to do that as well. The code is stew, blackriflecoffee.com slash stew. Receive 20% off your first order of any coffee products. Look, I'm pretty uncomfortable hearing that Joe Biden is supposedly the moderate choice. Kamala Harris, seriously, is this what we're going to do? I, I, I just can't take it. Uh, to tell you why uh, this is not an accurate description of Kamala Harris is Brian Riedel. He's a senior fellow from the Manhattan, Manhattan Institute. Brian, good to see you again. Thanks, Stu. Glad to be here. So I'm reading a little uh, Washington Post uh, story and who's quoted in there, but uh, one Brian Riedel from the Manhattan Institute uh, breaking down Kamala Harris because there are multiple massive programs that she has proposed that just do not fit the moderate or pragmatic label. Well, she is proposing in her own presidential campaign $40 trillion over 10 years in new spending. (laughs) That is a 70% expansion of the federal government. Uh, If that's moderate and pragmatic, then what? Does that mean a $20 trillion increase would be conservative? Uh, (laughs) This would be the biggest expansion of government in American history by far. And this is what the New York Times called moderate and pragmatic. Some of the proposals are are insane, too. Yeah, you know, it really is amazing to see that sort of description. Because, look, you know, I think maybe if you look at just the field – uh, on the Democratic side, you might say, OK, well, she's to the right of a couple of them. I mean, I think you came on at one point and said Bernie Sanders was ninety seven trillion dollars over 10 years. So it's less than that. But that does not make her moderate or pragmatic. Well, exactly. Ber- Bernie Sanders would double or triple the size of the federal government. Kamala Harris would only grow at 70 percent. Uh, I mean, you know, to put this in context, Barack Obama in 2008 ran on expanding government by one trillion. Now, he ended up doing a little more than that, but he ran on one trillion. And that was considered pretty liberal at the time. And now suddenly $40 trillion is is the moderate centrist proposal. That shows you how far left the Democrats have shifted. I mean, this is all basically socialism. I mean, this stuff would put federal government and and state spending well over 50, 60 percent of GDP. This is Sweden levels. And suddenly that's that's moderate. That's moderate now. Um, Talk to me about her proposal on rent, uh, because this is not a cheap program. It's amazing. Uh, my, my favorite Kamala Harris proposal would give $2,000 to every family. No, I'm sorry. $2,000 to every individual okay. every month for the length of the pandemic plus three months. So that would mean that a family of four would get $104,000 from the government. And, and, and the math of that is 13 months times $2,000 per person is $26,000 per person, including kids, $104,000 we're going to give to every family of four in America. The total cost of this plan, $6 trillion over the year. Now, we can't borrow $6 trillion. We would have to run the printing press. And having run the numbers on this, I'm going to be posting a big tweet storm on it later. Mm. You would have to double the money supply in order to write a check this big to every family. 
this is this is fantasy land. I, I want to laugh at this, Brian. I really do because it's just these uh, these don't even sound like real numbers anymore that you're saying. But I, it's really not funny. She wants to do this. She might be in the White House in just a few months. She might be a heartbeat away from the presidency. Mm. I mean, th- these are economic policies that you would expect from a college freshman crashing on a term <laughs> paper at the last minute. Coming from somebody who might be a heartbeat away from the presidency, I, I could laugh or cry. Yeah. Um, let's go into health care a little bit here. Um, the health care was I-, I honestly had a tough time tracing back where she stands on health care because she changed her position during the campaign 20, 30 times. What has she actually proposed? Well, when she finally put pen to paper, she proposed a Bernie Sanders style Medicare for all plan, but one that would be phased in over a couple of years. So that's that's how moderate it is. Instead of becoming <laughs> the most socialist plan in the world immediately, you take a few years to get there. Um, she says she would allow some private insurance but only if they exactly cover what the government tells them at the exact cost the government tells them with absolutely no market forces whatsoever. So basically, if they're hostages, Mm. essentially, she is proposing just a slower transition to a government run plan where basically everything is covered by the government and your taxes get doubled. You know, I keep coming back to the same uh, example because it, it shows how crazy this has become. But Bernie Sanders in 2013 proposed Medicare for all and got, what I think, zero co-sponsors. Like it was just him in 2013. Mm-hmm. Here we are seven years later and the moderate position is Medicare for all, but just slower. This we are moving at a pace that I don't ever remember in, in the entire time I've watched politics. I've never seen it move this left this fast. They have moved left fast. And for the people who say, well, we're just copying Europe, Europe doesn't do anything like the Sanders Medicare for all plan. Mm. They don't have nearly as generous coverage with zero co-pays, no private insurance. The idea that we're going to we're going to cut payments to hospital and doctors 40 percent across the board. No country in the world has ever attempted anything remotely like what Sanders has proposed on Medicare for all and what all of these other lawmakers jumped onto when they thought Bernie Sanders was the future before he got trounced in the primary. The party just keeps moving further and further to the left. They're past Sweden right now. I mean, I think Sweden's looking at these people going, you know, markets can work a little. (laughs) Um, Talk to me about Joe Biden for a second here, because what we get and maybe this is part of the strategy. You hear Kamala Harris and she sounds completely nuts. And you look at Biden's proposals and they're, they're typically a little more calm, a little more in line with just normal liberalism. You know, when Biden went, I remember when Biden and Obama ran together, they were two of the three or four most liberal senators in the Senate. Biden's no moderate at all, but he's in comparison to these guys seems moderate. What is he proposing? What is it? What kind of scale are we talking about? Well, again, to put this in context, in 2008, Obama proposed adding one one trillion in spending over the decade. Joe Biden is currently proposing six trillion. (laughs) Kamala Harris was at 40 trillion and Sanders was at 97 trillion. Unbelievable. So six trillion dollars makes him the conservative, but it still would make him the most liberal incoming president since LBJ, if not FDR. And yet that that's considered the center right candidate. This is incredible. 
Have you thought about at all, Brian, what the cause of this is? I mean, is it just that the left has always wanted to do that and they see an opportunity here with maybe Donald Trump as a not particularly uh, popular president um, and they can get in all of the goodies that they've ever wanted? Is it just a, a, a factor of, of more and more polarization? What is causing this move? I think there's a generational shift. Uh, Millennials and Gen Z are just growing up a lot more radical than older Democrats. A lot of this people, you know, blame on the financial crisis in 2008, the coming of age during that, the job market, student loans, a completely failing education system, uh, a completely failing university system. Whatever the reason, it's it's 20 somethings and young 30 somethings who have decided to throw out the you know any sort of centrism centrist liberalism and go full on socialism you know it's also a generation that doesn't remember communism it's a generation that yeah. doesn't remember the soviet union they're they're pulling the whole party to the left there's a new generation of of radicals they haven't taken over the party yet the older generation of democrats made sure that biden would win but i'm worried give it another couple election cycles and this aoc wing might take over and and be a majority in the democratic party yeah, they're seeing real success in these primaries uh, this year. Um, part of me thinks that it's just a pushback, right? Like it's such a it's such an intense time that they're able to go further than they ever were because people are just so sick of this era on the left. And you know, this is this does happen. It goes back and forth. Um, do you think Harris does anything positive uh, for the election for Biden, or is this one of those situations where they're trying to do no damage and hope nobody really notices she's tested? You know, she's already gone through a national campaign. It's just what they see as a safe choice. I I don't think Senator Harris really brings anything new politically. Um, You know, Biden had already has a lot of the moderates. The far left was probably going to vote for Biden anyway. Mm -hmm. And the ones who weren't aren't a big fan of Harris. They wanted Warren or Sanders. I don't think she adds much. But as you pointed out, she's been vetted. She's somewhat of a known quantity. They believe that she can step into the presidency if something happens to Biden. I humbly disagree. I think that's kind of where they were coming from. Okay, and uh, let me get this last one here. Um, As far as just the overall economy, what we're looking at right now, uh, we have uh, obviously the covid situation is dominating uh, everything. We're seeing a bit of a bounce back, maybe slowing down this past month. Mm -hmm. Do we have any idea what the economy is going to look like here in the next few months? And what is the uh, where what's the impact of all of this when it comes to Election Day? The economy is still in rough shape, even with, you know, we, we lost 17 million jobs and saw 7 million more move to part time. We've destroyed what's going to be 17 trillion dollars in GDP over 10 years. Yeah. Even if we continue inching up, getting a million of the jobs back, we're really not going to be back where we are until the economy reopens and until schools reopen, even if the economy reopens, if schools are closed, yeah. parents ain't going to work. I think we're, we're still going to be in a rough economic period on election day, maybe not exactly as rough as today, but until there is a vaccine and schools reopen, I, I don't see us getting to a place that's really going to help a lot of incumbent politicians on election day. Mm. All right, Brian Riedel, he's the senior fellow for the uh, Manhattan Institute. Uh, always have, has the great breakdowns. Where do people go to get the big Twitter storm later? Uh, Brian underscore Riedel, B-R-I-A-N underscore R-I-E-D-L on Twitter. All right. You don't want to miss it. There's going to be lots of fun numbers for you to read. All right. We'll be back in a second. 
Good morning, everyone. I'm so happy to welcome you to the uh, Grace Community Church Peaceful Protest. I guess that's what you have to do if you're a church these days. Just call it a peaceful protest. Everything will be fine. We actually talked to that pastor on the air on radio today. You can go back and listen to it. BlazeTV.com slash Stu uh, if you want to check that out. I will say um, it's an amazing time because the most basic things, including worship, uh, not even happening in some places in the country. Again, I feel spoiled here in Texas. You know, most of the stuff is going on. There's some minor differences in life here, but they're not major. Uh, however, one big one would be losing college football. I think the, the entire state would revolt. Uh, there is some evidence, though, that some of it's going away. It looks like uh, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 have both uh, canceled their season, or at least they're going to move it to spring, which is, is an odd thing. I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, so far, the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12 are moving forward with uh, potential football. They came out and said they're not canceling yet, so we'll see what happens uh, with that. Obviously, it's going to be a big deal uh, as we go forward. Um, I want to also uh, talk about uh, an amazing debate. When, when you talk about peaceful protests, you think about Black Lives Matter. When you think about real, uh, authentic the, the authentic black experience. You think about Sean King, the, the protester, uh, activist who says he's black, but he's, he's blatantly a white dude. I don't know what to tell you. He's just a white dude. Anyway, um, it's interesting to see the flip-flopping and retrofitting of how wonderful Kamala Harris is from all these activists now that she's been named as the vice presidential candidate. Here he is back in 2018. Sean King wrote, I'll be frank and tell you two Democrats that I am 99% sure I won't be supporting primarily because of their dismal history on criminal justice reform over the course of their entire careers. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, they both helped build and advance mass incarceration. Strong stance. You know he really meant it. That's why you also know he meant in 2020, yes. In 2018, I said I did not plan on endorsing either Joe Biden or Kamala Harris in the Democratic primaries. I endorsed Bernie. I've been a strong critic of Biden and Harris on issues of justice. She has grown and evolved on policing and justice, especially this summer. (laughs) This summer. After she was out of the race, apparently she was changing just in time to get Sean King's vote. Uh, By the way, the new 538 model is out, out in stores now. 538, Nate Silver and the team put together their model every uh, four years that predict uh, what's going to happen in the election. Now, I know what you're saying right now. I know what you're saying. You're saying, Stu, they said that Donald Trump was going to lose in 2016. If you've been hearing me blab about polls all this time, you know that that is, of course, true. Uh, They did say that Donald Trump was uh, likely to lose in 2016. To give, again, perspective on this, um, they were they had the most aggressive um, uh, analysis for Donald Trump. Uh, So everyone was saying it was 99 percent chance that uh, Clinton was going to win. They were saying I think it was 71 percent chance that uh, Clinton was going to win. And, you know, if you're a baseball fan going back a few years, you'll note that their percentage chance of uh, Donald Trump winning was the same as Ryan Sandberg's batting average. I always remember that because, you know, look, Ryan Sandberg, uh, you know, was a Hall of Famer. He got out a lot, though, but we do know he got a bunch of hits. That's why he's in the Hall of Fame. So, you know, there was a pretty there's a decent possibility of that happening. The same basic percentage they're saying right now for Joe Biden to win 71 percent 
um, right now. Though the polling would, you know, if it would indicate it would be a little bit higher than that if we were closer to the election. That's one of these things that I think this year is totally different uh, than other years. If, if this was the case right now, in a normal year, you'd think, OK, well, Biden's got a pretty strong lead. He's got a good chance to hold it. This is not a normal year, guys. Anything, I mean, as I talked about um, uh, earlier, if the economy, for example, turns around and goes gangbusters here in the last couple of months, if we have a vaccine or some sort of treatment that works and all of a sudden we don't have to worry about this crap anymore, the entire mood of the country is going to be different. And that can happen in a few weeks. You know, we also have the debates and all of the other normal, weird sort of, uh, uh, you know, uh, political shenanigans that can happen in a three month period. Three months. I mean, think about the last couple of weeks of the last election. You had the Access Hollywood tape and the FBI investigation of Hillary being opened up in the James Comey uh, letter situation. That was all the last like couple of weeks who the hell knows what's going to happen? I assume aliens are going to come down and they're going to endorse one of the two candidates. And, you know, my guess is it would be Biden. Uh, just just it just feels like the type of thing aliens would do. But we don't know who they'll endorse. So we have to wait and see on that. Uh, but I, for one, welcome our new alien overlords. Back in a second. If you're trying to sell your home, you need a real estate agent who's going to come uh, come in and kind of take take charge of the entire situation. That's why you need real estate agents I trust. Real estate agents I trust is Glenn's company. Uh, he's got the big special coming up later on tonight. He's got the company going on with realestateagentsitrust.com. He's a busy guy. He's going to be back in the radio studio on Monday. That's the rumor. Hasn't happened in about five zillion months. He says he's going to be back. We'll see how that goes. Uh, Realestateagentsitrust.com is the company that he built to deal with, you know, problems he had trying to sell one of his homes back uh, in the day about 12 moves ago. Uh, (laughs) Because we move every few months. Um, You need to have an agent that will help you sell your home. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com. If you're moving, going to a new area, maybe you're taking a new job in a new area because of the economy, you're going to be sliding over to a new uh, region of the country that you've, you don't really know anybody, go to realestateagentsitrust.com. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go to learn more about real estate agents that you can actually trust in your area. The name says it all, realestateagentsitrust.com. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. Welcome back to the program. And Jason Buttrell is here, or as he's known by his employer of like a decade, Jason Buttrell. <laughs> he's the head writer and researcher for Glenn Beck. Don't forget to stay tuned after tonight's show for Glenn's newest special, Brave New World, The Left's March Towards Global Fascism, airing tonight at 9 uh, p.m. right after this. It's a brave new world, The Left's March Toward gro- Global Fascism. Uh, I mean, it sounds like a fun program. Uh, <laughs> uh, what's the celebration going to be like? Oh, oh, gosh, Stu. Um, crazy. <laughs> what's crazy, though, is I can't believe I haven't been sniffing around this topic before after going through all this information. Absolutely nuts. And I was talking on the radio with Glenn this morning that it really did remind me of 1944, the Bretton Woods Conference, you know, where they came together uh to basically rewrite all the rules of the global financial system. And that's basically what's going to happen at the World Economic Forum in January of mm-hmm. next year. Uh, you've got members of the, uh, the, the head of the IMF, the head of the European Central Bank, 
um, political leaders, presidents, prime ministers, everyone, the co-founder of Occupy Wall Street, weirdly enough, mm. is going to be there, which is another story entirely because he started Occupy Wall Street. They protested against the World Economic Forum. Now they go because apparently wow. they align now. Kind of interesting. That is fascinating because you're right. That's, I mean, all that um, the, the sort of anarchist violence that we used to see in Seattle all the time when the World Economic Forum would show up, any global event would show up in Seattle. It would always get those sorts of protests. Now they're just hanging out. They're at, they got a seat at the table. Because now they realize that they're not foes, they're allies in this. Mm. And what what's cracks me up about it, and it's, yeah, the, the show hints at, it's the, you know, the march towards global fascism. They kind of paint it in this thing that they call progressive capitalism. Um, if that sounds like an oxymoron, it's because it is. Right. Uh, there's no such thing as progressive capitalism. Um, it's national socialism. You know, they they want to link private businesses with the government. Heavy regulation. Um, when you hear some of these, uh, we've got audio tapes. We've got a bunch of stuff. We see the documents themselves and how they want to force it this onto people. I mean, they, they've been setting these institutions up in the UN for years now. There's one that's a regulatory. It's not a regulatory thing yet, but uh, just for a sneak another inside just for your viewers thing tonight there's an organization within the uh, UN that their entire job is just to like write up these reports and give them to businesses uh, banks corporations mm -hmm. and say this is how the climate how climate change affects your business just so you know you know so some of the things that maybe you might be doing which might be you know contributing to climate change you might want to think about scaling it back so it'll affect your business right harmless it doesn't mean anything they get it they probably use it for toilet paper or something I don't know it doesn't mean anything well something that they're they're advocating in their working papers that they're going to go through at the conference in January is actually codifying this group into law so that they can write these reports, they sub then submit it to the company, then the company is bound by law to make changes. And they have to submit a report every year. So literally, it's like, hey, Stooge, you do your taxes. And you're like, no, dude, I'm doing my climate change, uh, you know. Oh, my God. Uh, seriously. That, that, that's, that's, these are the things. If they don't abide by them, they, you'll lose insurance, you'll lose certifications, you'll lose your ability to continue to do your business. This is wild. It's, it's wild. Yeah. I can't, it's insane. And who are the, who are the, I mean, we know about the Occupy Wall Street guy, but generally speaking, who are the people attending this thing? Oh, everyone. Um, it's all the bigwigs. All the bigwigs. Pretty much Donald Trump was supposed to go last year, but he had to call off for something else. Uh, I, I, Mnuchin, I think, went uh, okay. last year. But, um, Every every major president or prime minister attends this thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can be sure Trump is going to uh, say no to a lot of the things you just mentioned. <laughs> uh, this is uh, kind of draws us though to the other conversation, which is the Biden Harris ticket. Now, oh my gosh! I mean, them going to this would be a totally different story, and uh, that's why people are so passionate about it. It's stuff like that. So Harris is uh, is nominated, uh, or at least is named as the uh, presumptive VP nominee. What do you think? Yeah, I kind of botched that call. I I was sure it was Susan Rice. I think I had said it on this show. Oh, yeah. I believe uh, your quote to me was, uh, what do I get if I get it right? Which indicates you're going to have a punishment if you get it wrong. We'll be working on that sometime soon. If it involves power hour, screw it. I'm not doing it. Um, yeah, I uh, I was completely shocked because I, I... So let's just get this out there. The, the vice president pick is pointless anyway. I don't, I don't think they really yeah, do anything. largely. You don't want to hurt yourself with it. That's about it. Right. I mean, it's, it seems more of an electoral thing. Mm -hmm. But when you look at that electorally, what does is, what is Kamala bring? Like, Joe Biden already does well with the black vote, yep. so you're not getting it. You know who doesn't? Kamala. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's the only one. So you kind of balance it, you yeah. kind of cancel each other out there. Um, the women vote, we're going to vote Dem anyway, that we're already kind of looking that direction, so you yeah. didn't bring anything there. 
Um, I don't electorally. I don't think she does anything. Bernie Bros hate her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it, it's it's kind of an it's kind of an odd pick. I I'm very very concerned with how a lot of people are are calling her on both the left and right. They're trying to model her as the moderate. So it's so strange. I, I don't, especially from conservatives. And when I was when I was looking at it, I was like. If you can call her a moderate, someone that co-sponsored Medicare for All, someone that co-sponsored the Green New Deal, um, an assault weapons ban, if you can call those policies moderate, how far has the Overton window shifted? Oh, and it has shifted really far. I really think it is an Overton window situation, right? They're looking at the le- they're looking at the Democratic candidates that they saw on stage, and she's certainly not Amy Klobuchar, who would be maybe to the right of that scale, but. You know, Amy Klobuchar is still a liberal. I mean, uh, yeah. she's not, you know, she's not a moderate. She's a liberal. Um, but she's, Kamala's further to the left than her. And I would argue further to the uh, to the right of maybe Bernie and Warren. There are some indicators that that's not even true at all. Uh, though, I mean, when you look, I think the grand scope of all of their policies over their careers, you'd say Warren and, and Sanders and de Blasio probably are further to the left, but not a lot. I mean, she's to the left of the Democratic Party. She's on the left side of the Democratic Party. That does not make you a moderate. Yeah, it's, it's even hard to tell really where she stands because, and this is another thing, it's easily, she's so easily attackable on so many different things. Yeah. Which again, it seems like it hurts her. Her being named, it hurts them than, rather than helping. Yeah. But I mean, the, the single pill health care thing—that was one of the most recent things. Co-sponsored the bill, then flip-flopped and said she wasn't going to eliminate private insurance. Oh God, she went back and forth on that thing like ten times. So many different things. And that's one of the reasons she didn't win, right? I mean, like she had a she had her opportunities to actually win that race, and, and yeah. she couldn't put it together. That's why I was. I mean, partially it's why I was arguing for a Tammy Duckworth type who has a great personal story. You know, a, you know, war hero. Um, she, you know, uh, the first woman to give birth while a, as a senator. She has a great backstory, and for the type of campaign they're running, which is hide from everyone. <laughs> That type of thing is great. You have you, you could talk about the personal story, and then everyone can run away. I think the issue with Her- with, uh, with Duckworth, and the reason why they didn't go with any of the other names, including Rice, there's just they they weren't tested. Yeah. You know, walking into a situation like this is unique in the world. You know, we saw Sarah Palin, who was a great governor for for Alaska, walk into that spotlight and have trouble with it. A lot of people have. Mike Pence didn't, right? Mike Pence walked in and you know pretty much handled it pretty easily. Um, not everybody does, though, and I think they were worried about taking someone who hadn't been tested like that. Harris obviously was tested there, didn't do that well, but at least is used to what's coming and has been, you know, some of her baggage has already been, you know, been through the news cycle. You That's know, a theory, I think. You know, you know what irks me about conservative voices not having the balls to call her far left, mm-hmm. which she clearly is. What irks me the most about it is. You're not only enabling the Overton window to shift far, uh, you're enabling it to shift further to the left with refusing to call it out, but you're also enabling at the same time conservatives, libertarians, uh, people that believe in liberty and the Constitution, those types of principles that guide our, our thought, you're enabling people to call us far right, really, because if it shifts that far, Screw it. Call me far right. Yeah, we are. Yeah, right. Fine. I'll just I'll just own it. It's not what you think it means. But if you're going to if you're going to be able to call her moderate, then that really makes me far right. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, I, I, I'm interested. You know, one thing I did not get to get, get to in the monologue, which I think is the most important thing about Kamala Harris is she wants to ban plastic straws. To anyone who wants to do that is is, is Satan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she even admitted that, you know, the paper paper straws, they, they do break down right away when you start drinking. But we have to ban plastic straws. 
Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to say this right now. Uh, if she bans plastic straws, I will do nothing but campaign against her. I don't even care about Biden. <laughs> I just want her out of there. Um, I, I, I feel like there's a there's a, um, a you know, there's an interesting kind of uh, breakdown going down. Nate Silver, 538, released their um, election model has Biden at 71 percent. The Economist has Biden at like 90 something percent. Um, which is hard to say 90 percent when you're this far away from the election. Again, like Biden and his polls look decent now, but has anyone even thought about the election yet? I mean, has no. anyone even considered their choice unless your mind's made up? Right. Like a lot of people watching the blaze, your mind's made up. Um, but, you know, a lot of people are in the middle. They haven't really thought about this. They're, they're thinking about uh, Cardi B's latest video. Uh, oh, my gosh. Um, they will. I, I, I do think the debates will have a big deal. It yeah. will be a big deal. Maybe bigger than normal. I think so. I mean, Joe Biden, he's so easily distracted in these things. He's so easy to get under his skin. He's just a time bomb waiting to erupt. Yeah. So he's either going to have a cognitive problem or he's just going to blow up. Donald Trump's going to he's going he's going to have the needles. And he's going to be jamming him underneath his fingernails, and he's going to get at him and, and cause that, er, that eruption. But I, That's I, a great point. Just to p- pause on that for a second. People keep talking about Biden in these debates as a guy who is going to have, he's going to lose where he's, what he's talking about. He's going to f- flub something. He's going to create a gaffe. All very possible and likely. But the dude is angry. And if, especially if you mention yeah. his kids, if you mention, if you mention the situation in Ukraine, if you start going down those roads, the dude gets pissed. Oh, my gosh. He can't control himself. Absolutely pissed. And presidential debates throughout history, just if you look at the history, they have swung elections. Um, just off the top of my head, uh, George H.W. against Dukakis. Mm-hmm. That whole thing with the uh, Dukakis riding around in the tank deal, yeah. that literally won him the election. Uh, <laughs> was right. it during the debate, though? I don't think he had a tank on stage. Yeah, but, uh, yeah no, he brought it up in the debate. Yeah, he did, yes. <laughs> uh, but of course, obviously, Nixon and Kennedy is a big one. There have been. Reagan, Reagan had a cognitive issue as well, and it was also about age. In his first debate, yep. he remember, he just blanked, and he was like, blah, blah, blah. he was like stuttering over himself. Amazing. The second debate, they came up with a one-liner, and it was about hitting the other guy's yeah. Uh, yeah. age and, and experience. experience. Right, it was one. classic, but then a lot of people were high-fiving, saying, okay, that won us the, the debate. I fully expect an instance like that to happen in either one of the debates or multiple debates. I expect I just, it. It's good to expect it, but you're right. It hasn't always been a, a determining factor. I mean, Romney wiped the floor oh, with Obama in, in debate win. one and then got crushed in the other two. Like, where'd you go? I know. He was <laughs> like Homer Simpson, like back into the shrubs. I was like, dude, why? You had it. <laughs> it's so true. That was the most frustrating thing in the world to watch. All right, Jason Buttrell, the head researcher and writer for Glenn Beck. Thanks for coming on the program. And be sure to stay tuned after the conclusion of tonight's program for Glenn's newest special, Brave New World, the left's march toward global fascism, 9 p.m. Eastern. You can go to blazetv.com slash stew. Make sure to use the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show. And you can become a member and subscribe uh, and watch all the shows and all the specials going back a million years. We have a million years of archives now ready to go. Jason, thanks for coming on the program. Thanks. All right, back in a second. hear from a lot of you that say, yes, Andrew Cuomo is awful, but Chris Cuomo is worse. And that is a great point. That's why now you and your friend or you and your spouse, whatever, can proudly wear in tandem, Andrew Cuomo is awful and Chris Cuomo is worse t-shirts, mugs, and my favorite, masks. What better way to say F you to the entire Cuomo family than by going to andrewcuomoisawful.com or chriscuomoisworse.com. 
true. You can always get all your merch needs at stewdoesmerch.com. Also, when you get your podcast uh, going, make sure you rate and review it. We love doing your reviews. We do them at the end of the show. Doughboy writes in, says, if possible, 10 freaking stars. You have to settle for five freaking stars. Everyone knows I love this stupid show. Five freaking stars. It's great. Whatever. Perfect for fans of Glenn Beck who want less crying and more fart jokes. Five freaking stars. He's not as hot as Dan Crenshaw, but he's still better than Jeffy. He's great. Whatever. Five freaking stars. Yes. Five freaking stars. Crazy fun. Crazy entertaining. Crazy stew. Love it. Five freaking stars. Thank you for your reviews on iTunes. We'll see you tomorrow.